Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. I want to tell you what you already know. Only two more weeks left in this term. Congratulate yourself for making it happen. Absolutely right. We are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are. And we have a guest with us this evening that's going to help us along those lines. His name is Dr. Stan Reeder. He's the senior pastor of Westminster Church of the Nazarene in Westminster, Colorado. He is Canadian by birth and American by where he lives at the moment. So we're looking forward to his ministry. We want to, I want us to sing a couple of songs about Jesus. Um, one of them is an old one, and one of them is a newer one. Um, both of them I think you can manage. It won't be like last week where we sang and no one knew what was going on. So I need you to, I'm going to sing a phrase and I need you to sing it back to me. We have victory because of your death and your resurrection, Jesus. You're the one who makes it possible for us to sing these praises. You're the one who has changed our life so that we are a little more like you today than we were yesterday. You're the one who invites us to become, to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You loved us before we even knew you. We give you praise for the victory that we know and for the victory that's coming. rest our lives, we rest our hearts in that promise. And we want to ask now that you would help us to hear your word through your servant for your sake. For your sake. We pray it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Dr. Lake. That was uh, great singing. Enjoyed the worship time. And it's great to be with, uh, with all of you here tonight. I've been looking forward to the opportunity, and I count it an honor to, to speak from God's Word to you. And uh, you're a good-looking bunch. Thank you for coming out on a Tuesday night, a cool Tuesday night at that, isn't it? It's good to be with you. I... Uh, I want to draw your attention to the notes. You received them when you came in. They'll help you follow along as we study a passage that I'm hoping is in, in sync with some of the things you've been, you've been covering in this matter of uh, considering attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, tonight, dealing with the, the hope of the fullness of Christ. Uh, I like the story I heard at this past Halloween of a, a young boy who was dressed up like Rocky and out trick-or-treating. And, you know, he had the whole thing. He had big boxing gloves on and, uh, the, you know, red satin shorts. He really looked quite good, and he felt pretty good about himself, too. And he knocked on his first door. Lady came. He did a little bit of, you know, dance for her and so on, and she was so impressed, she really gave him a lot of candy. And so he went away. Well, it wasn't two or three minutes later, he was back and uh, trick-or-treating again. And she said, well, weren't you the Rocky that was just here? He said, yes, I am, ma'am, but I'm the sequel now. And, and I'm going to be back three more times tonight. So I don't know uh, 
I don't know if his hope was well-founded or not, but let me say this to you, that there is this tremendous, tremendous power of hope in Christ Jesus for the attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and nothing less. What a hope that is. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture tonight. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to do a verse-by-verse -verse study from verse 18 through 23 of Colossians chapter 1. Really has a lot to do, this passage, with the tremendous power of hope in Jesus Christ that's held out for us in the gospel. Now, uh, I've got a quote in your notes there from C.S. Lewis. Kind of a long one, so bear with me. I think it's got a great point. If you had gone to Buddha and asked him, are you the son of Brahma? He, he would have said, my son, you are still in the veil of illusion. If you had gone to Socrates and asked, are you Zeus? He would have laughed at you. If you'd gone to Muhammad and asked, are you Allah? He would have first rent his clothes and then cut your head off. If you had asked Confucius, are you heaven? I think he probably would have replied, remarks which are not in accordance with nature are in bad taste. The idea of a great moral teacher saying what Christ said is out of the question. In my opinion, the only person who can say that sort of thing is either God or a complete lunatic suffering from that form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man. He was never regarded as a moral teacher. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. He produced mainly three effects. Hatred, terror, adoration. There was no trace of people expressing any kind of mild approval of Jesus. Jesus is unique. And in him alone, in all the figures of history, in all the religions and isms of history, in Jesus alone is the power of the hope of the gospel. And what a hope it is. It's a fantastic hope. Now, we're going to look at that tonight. I'm going to instruct you to consider this passage of Scripture, Colossians 1, 18 to 23. And uh, let's, let's stand for the reading of God's precious word. Colossians 1, starting at verse 18. This is what the word of the Lord is, and it's for you tonight. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, 
This is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. May the Lord add his blessing to his precious word as we study it together. You may be seated. Uh, I've got a sign-up sheet here that I've, I've asked uh, Dr. Like if it would be all right if I pass around. I, I've been doing something for three years now where uh, every week I send out the PowerPoint of the message that we, we uh, use on the week before, full manuscript of the sermon and uh, notes like the one you have in your hand for congregational use. And uh, there's been a number of pastors, especially bivocational pastors, that have found it very helpful to have some kind of jumping-off point and we, we just share this free of charge, and uh, always have and always will. And uh, so if you'd like to sign up and receive that, you can, uh, you can receive that. I'd be glad to add you to the list. And if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. I'll guarantee you that. So there's no risk whatsoever. So just pass that around. I know it's a bit of a risk when you haven't heard me preach yet, uh, as to whether you want to get that or not, but you can always delete it. Okay. Three kinds of hope held out in this beautiful passage of Scripture that we looked at tonight. The first one is this. Ah, it's a great hope. The hope that no problem is beyond the power of Jesus. You do not have a problem that's beyond the power of Jesus. Scripture says this. He, Jesus, is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. You know how we know that he's got supremacy over everything because he's the firstborn from the dead. And if he can conquer death, he can conquer your problem. Because death is the biggest problem. I mean, if you've got problems and then you die, you haven't got any problems anymore. And Jesus, we know, has that ultimate authority because he conquered death which is the greatest problem. So your problem is not beyond his scope of power. Whatever it is, no matter how great or complex, there's no problem greater than the power of Jesus. You know, some people say, well, what makes Jesus so special? He was the firstborn from among the dead. I mean, there are other people that were raised from the dead. In fact, before Jesus, they were raised from the dead. I mean, you go back in the Old Testament. Right? You can think of uh, the widow of Zarephath's son that Elijah brought back to death, brought back from the death. Uh, there's several people in the New Testament, including Lazarus. That was a phenomenal thing. I mean, he was dead not just three days, four days. There's the uh, widow of Nain's son. So what's so special about Jesus being raised from the dead? What makes him then the ultimate authority over every problem? Well, because the simple fact that he never died again. And all those others did. I like what uh, Charles Urban, the great uh, Princeton University professor, pointed out. Christ was the first, it's in your notes, to rise from death never to die again. I think Jesus was very selective in the use of resurrection power during his ministry because he knew if he raised you from the dead, well, you're just going to have to die again someday. And it's kind of a mean thing to do to somebody. I mean, dying once is bad enough. And so uh, he was the first one to have absolute victory 
complete victory, never to die again over this physical death. And so the scripture says that through Jesus, death has been swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Because it's the worst enemy. Death is like the, the big boss. I, I used to play video games with my boys until they got better than I, I was. And that was when they were about six, seven years old. And I, I haven't played since, not once. But uh, I, I, my recollection of those video games is there was always, you'd work up through the levels and get a little tougher every time until you finally get to the, the end level and the, the, that's where the big boss was. And maybe video games are different now, but uh, that's what movies are like. You know, the hero works through the minor players until you finally get right to the worst villain of all. I mean, they are the worst villain. They're always the last one standing because they're the most powerful and strongest and smartest and all of that. Well, Jesus took care of the biggest, baddest boss problem of all, and that's death. And so he can take care of your problem. He's got supremacy over your problem. No problem is beyond the power of Jesus. Now, I know every one of us here tonight got problems. Jesus has the power and authority over every one of them. Some people say, if you kind of stretch it out, then why have I still got problems if Jesus is the defeated all problems? Well, because sometimes the greatest victory is not over a problem, but through it. I like the little poem. Now, this is, this is profound. It's deep. You'll have to concentrate on it. There once was an oyster whose story I tell who found that some sand had gotten into his shell. It was only a grain, but it did give him great pain. For oysters have feelings, although they're plain. Now, did he berate the harsh workings of fate that had brought him to such a deplorable state? Did he curse the government, cry for an election, and claim that the sea should have given him protection? No. He said to himself, as he lay on a shell, since I cannot remove it, I shall try to improve it. Now the years have rolled around, as the years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, which is stew. <laughs> and the small grain of sand that had bothered him so was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now that tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a morsel of sand? What couldn't we do if we'd only begin with some of the things that get under our skin. I think the beginning of it starts with the faith in the knowledge of the hope of the gospel that Jesus is bigger than any problem that we will ever face. Second bit of hope from this passage of scripture is this, the hope that no relationship is beyond the power of Jesus. No relationship. How do we know that? Well, I know it personally because it was through his shed blood on the cross that he brought recon reconciliation between me and he. And if he can bring and cancel the debt of sin that I owed, 
and bring reconciliation between me and he, then he can bring reconciliation between me and thee. And he can bring reconciliation between ye and thee. There's no relationship that's beyond the power of Jesus Christ. None. Now, the scripture does say that it's, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. I know some people will not be reconciled with you, but you can have reconciliation in your heart with them. And that's the call of the gospel. I like what uh, John P. Meyer has written in his book, The Vision of Matthew. It's in your notes. A Christian cannot win God's forgiveness, but he can lose it by refusing to extend it to a brother. And this is a great truth. Next in your notes. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping others will die. You might say, but Stan, you don't understand that person. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know the pain that's come to my life because of that person. It's impossible for me to forgive. G.K. Chesterton put a little light on this, I think. Love means to love that which is unlovable or it's no virtue at all. And forgiving means to pardon the unpardonable or it's no virtue at all. There's power through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to work a miracle in my life and in your life to bring complete restoration and reconciliation. Don't settle for anything less. And number three, and maybe the greatest of all, the hope that no sin is beyond the power of Jesus. No sin. The scripture says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You know, as a pastor, one of the things that I've discovered is there are a good number of people that wrestle with some kind of besetting sin. Where Satan has got a barbed hook into their lives. And they have yet to, to be able to struggle free from that hook. And it just keeps a hold of them. And it becomes a blemish in their lives. That's most obvious to them, but is seen by others, too. You know, blemishes can do that. I remember as a teenager, getting the dreaded megazit right on the end of my nose. It's the worst place because when you're walking around, you can kind of see it there, you know. And it makes you go cross-eyed when you're talking to people. And they're looking right at it when they talk to you. In fact, it's confirmed because I, I remember uh, the, the situation of a of a teacher stopping me in, in high school and saying, uh, Stan, I just want you to know I'm proud of you and I think you're an excellent pimple. Uh, I mean, pu pupil. You're an excellent, you're an excellent pupil. And uh, blemishes can do that. Uh, they can kind of get in the way of everything and become obvious. 
Jesus' promise is that he has the power to present us holy, even in his sight, and free from every blemish and accusation. I love what the Glasgow University scholar William Barclay proclaims on this subject. William Barclay, the Christian is the freest of all men. That love of Christ has given him the greatest freedom of all. Not the freedom to sin, but freedom not to sin. What a freedom. What a great message of hope. You know, we're in a holiness college here. I think maybe sometimes we hear that and we get a little hardened to it and we hardly hear what great news that is. Don't be hard of hearing on this thing. Don't be like the guy who uh, was walking down the street with his friends, three old guys, and the first one says, uh, windy, isn't it? And the next guy says, no, no, I think it's, I think it's Thursday. And, and the third guy says, I'm thirsty too. Let's stop and get a lemonade. <laughs> or like the man who is telling his neighbor, I just bought this brand new hearing aid. I mean, this thing is state of the art. There's never been another hearing aid like it. Cost me $4,000. I mean, this thing is perfect. It's flawless. And his friend says, really? He, has, he says, what kind is it? He looks at his watch and says, it's about 12.30 right now. <laughs> or uh, like Morris, who's the 82-year-old guy, goes to the doctor, gets a physical. A few, few days later, the doctor sees Morris walking down the street. And he's with a gorgeous young woman on his arm. And he's smiling from, from ear to ear. So a couple of days later, the doctor runs into Morris and says, you're, you're really doing great, aren't you, Morris? And Morris replied, well, uh, just doing what you said, Doc. Get a, get a hot mama and be cheerful. The doctor said, I didn't say that. I said, you've got a heart murmur, be careful. <laughs> Don't be hard of hearing. Don't let it slip by you. The best news of all is that there is no sin beyond the power and the scope of Jesus. We can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's complete and total victory in Jesus. There's a freedom like no other. Not a freedom to do whatever. It's a freedom to not sin that only comes to us. There's no other power other than through Jesus. What, what a great news. So let's apply this briefly in closing. There's only one condition to this whole thing. The next phrase is this. If you continue in your faith, you are the only one that can keep the perfect, sanctifying grace from working fully, fully in your life. You're the only one. And the only condition that's put on you is will you continue in your faith? Don't give up now. I mean, it could be that there is a relationship in the past where you haven't gotten past it. You will if you continue in your faith that Jesus has the power to bring reconciliation. There might be a problem 
that's bringing defeat into your life. But you'll get through it if you continue in your faith and the belief that Jesus has the power over every problem. There could be a sin that's besetting you. And I urge you, don't come to the place of saying, I'm only human. I guess this is just the way it'll always be. This is something that, well, the Lord forgives me. And it's going to be okay. Don't accept that. Continue in your faith of the great power of the grace of Jesus Christ to bring you total and complete victory of freedom not to sin. Don't settle for anything less. You know that problem hasn't got the power to keep you from it? And that person, no matter how deeply they've hurt you in the past, does not have the power to keep you from it? The devil and all of his minions put together has not got the power to keep you from it? Only you can do that. So don't. And continue in your faith. I'll, I'll testify to you, there have been some things in my life that I had to continue in faith a long time before the grace finally broke in and brought the complete freedom and the victory. Don't give up now. The answer might be just around the corner. Don't quit. Continue in your faith. Scripture says, established and firm, not moved, not moved from the hope, the glorious hope of the gospel, which is this, that we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Nothing can keep us from it. Nothing. Amen? Dr. Lyke, would you close us, please? Thank you again for your presence here tonight and your tenderness to the Word of God and your faith in the glorious hope of the gospel of Jesus. God bless you. He's got great days ahead for each and every one of you. Thank the Lord. Amen. We, we, by your grace, will live for you because you'll make it so. Amen. Go in his peace.